this is not going to be a surprise to most people. I'm not an expert in a lot of different areas. There's so much in this world I know nothing about. However, I'm a, I am an expert when it comes to food. I know food. I know food very well. I, I'm, in fact, I'm, I, I am an expert. And, and I not only love certain kind of foods, but I love to study people's behavior in regards to how they eat food. So um, just a confession, and then I'm going to ask a few questions, and I'm going to ask you to participate. You don't even have to be a Christian to participate. This is easy. Um, I am what you call a sectional eater, meaning I eat one thing at a time. I eat one thing. It's a sign of a genius. Um, but I eat one thing at a time. <laughs> Wasn't that funny? I eat one thing. So if, like, I'm going to start out with my green beans. I eat my green beans. Um, and I love green beans. And I'm going to move from green beans to fried chicken uh, because that's how I knew I was called into ministry. I woke up craving fried chicken. And so I was like, I must be a pastor. And then after my, after my chicken, I love to eat my macaroni and cheese because made with real cheese, real butter, real eggs, real everything. And if it's not, get that fake stuff out of my face. And then I move on to my banana pudding with no bananas. And, that's, and I'll eat one thing at a time. I don't ever go from my green beans to my macaroni to my fried chicken because that's just messed up. You just eat one thing at a time from least favorite to most favorite. How many people are with me on this, okay? Okay, yeah, these are the geniuses in the room. These are the people that love Jesus. Now, there are some people, though, however, that, that and this is, I'm, I'm about to describe you, and, and if you're with somebody, they're going to tell on you, so I'm going to ask you to just be honest. I mean, you're in church, you're in church, and we're about to have a thunderstorm, so God might strike you with lightning if you don't tell the truth. So, how weird would that be? Anyway, there's some people that you can't, eat your food if it's touching. How many people like that? Okay. Um, so, uh, these are the psychopaths. Um, I, I'm, I'm, just messing, I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. No, I, I was with some friends one time, and, and my, my, like, my friend loved macaroni, but he wasn't eating his macaroni. And I was like, you know me. I'm just like, hey, man, you going to eat that? He's like, no, you can have it. I was like, well, did, like, did you spit in it or something? He's like, nah, man touching my green beans. I said, well, you not, like it's all going to the same place. It's all going to come out the same. Okay, so I, so I covered the, the biology with him, but he said, I can't. In fact, at his house, this is true, this is a true story, at his house, he has special plates for him that have the sections in the plates that he, now those are called child's plates. I, that, that's what they're called. I'm just being, but he has those because his food can't touch, he's got them sectioned off. And as I was thinking about that this week, I started thinking, we sectionalize a lot of our lives. We, we put things in sections. And sometimes sections are good, and sometimes sections are not so good. If, if some of you will remember old, a little, little bit down the time frame. You'll remember way, a little bit back in restaurants, there used to be smoking sections and non-smoking sections. Y'all remember that? Yeah, I loved it at Cracker Barrel. Because the smoking section was on the other side of the lattice, um, and the nods like it's like there's holes in it, like the, but the smoke just stops, and we can't go in there. <laughs> I can go back older school. Some of you remember this the, on the airplane, the smoking section and the non-smoking section. That was that was stupid right there. That's like the pool having a peeing section and a non-peeing section. It all just gets together, right? And so, but, but, but so people sectionalize. We put certain things into sections. Now, one of the unfortunate things that's happened in the church is we put some sections in the church and we've sectionalized things that I don't think necessarily need to be separate. 
For example, in the church, we honor and we admire, we look up to the sacred. And I'm, listen, I'm all about the sacred in the church. Like, anytime we do baptism services, those are very sacred to me. I love baptism. Anytime we do communion or the Lord's Supper, that's a very sacred thing to me. I love that. It always means so much to me. Those are sacred. But what we've done in a lot of churches is we've sectionalized the sacred and the supernatural. And we're willing to admit that in churches things should be sacred, but we're not so sure about the supernatural. Now let's, let's be honest. The world that we live in is obsessed with the supernatural. Like a movie can come on about the supernatural. I was like doing something through Netflix the other day and came up on that, what's it called, the, the, the Conjuring. The Conjuring, yeah, ain't no freaking way I'm watching that movie. I wouldn't sleep for, I wouldn't sleep for days. But, but I, it was one of the popular, like it's popular. Remember when Harry Potter came out? Harry Potter and the movies and the books, it's all about the supernatural. And people love that. You've, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but some of you read your horoscope. I'm not, and I'm not, it, but it's the supernatural. You're interested in the supernatural and all, all this. But then when people come to church, they take all the supernatural and they put it to the side. And I literally have had people ask me, what does the church and the supernatural have to do with each other? Well, I'm glad you ask. Because we follow a man named Jesus whose life started with a virgin birth. Supernatural. You've never met a woman. Ever in your life. Hey, how you doing? I'm pregnant. Who's the father? You know, it's the funniest thing. I was in my bathroom putting my makeup on. Angel showed up, said I'm going to be pregnant. And they're not going to be a dad. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, that's never happened. And so, so virgin birth, resurrection of the dead. None of you have ever been to a funeral where the guy sat up in the coffin and went, what y'all doing? Because like, I'll be out. Like I would be out out. So, so there, Jesus has everything to do with the supernatural. As we read about the life of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's all about the supernatural. And so I believe that the church, when it comes to the supernatural, we should be willing to embrace it. Now, I know the pushback. You, you know a person that's obsessed with the supernatural, and they're weird. And you're like, Pash P, I know Thelma, and Thelma is all into that stuff, and weird. Let me promise you something about Thelma. She would be weird without the supernatural, okay? Thelma's weird, and so that's just the truth about her. And if you're not laughing, it's because you're somebody's Thelma. So we're going di- to dive into... <laughs> we're going to dive into... Some things that, that we're starting this brand new series called I Love My Church. And these are things that I want for our church. And these are things I want for the individuals in our church, whether you're in the room or you're watching online. Here we go. I want this to be, number one, a supernatural place. I want this to be, oh, let me hit it again. Bam. My clicker isn't working. Hold on. There we go. Praise the Lord. See, that was supernatural. Um, now, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to pick on anybody a lot. I'm just, I just need to... Survey of hands here. Um, I need to know how many people are, are Clemson fans. Now, don't raise your hand yet because I, I need to qualify this because there's some people that say they're Clemson fans and you're not, and um, I need to call you out very lovingly. When I, if you're a Clemson fan, you do not, you do not pull for Carolina when they're not playing Clemson. 
I meet people, oh, I, I pull for Clemson and I pull for Carolina when they're not playing Clemson. Then you're not a Clemson fan. The, the Bible says you're lukewarm. Jesus will spit you out of his mouth. You need to. <laughs> give me just a second. I can come up with a scripture, all right? You are a true Clemson fan. Would you raise your hand? I just, because I need to know who you are. Man, lots of people that love Jesus. Okay, now, now on the flip side, and I'm not going to make, okay, I'm not making promises, but I just need to know who the, before you, but before you raise your hand, if you're a Carolina fan, I, like you are a true Carolina fan. You're a true Carolina fan. When I say you're a true Carolina fan, you, you cheer for Carolina and your other favorite team is whoever is playing Clemson. That, 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 that's you, you're a Carolina fan. Would you raise your hand? Okay. Y'all ain't got that much to scream about. I mean, I'm just, but I'm glad you're excited. I'm glad you're here. It's so excited. So excited. Now, here's what's true if you're a Clemson fan or a Carolina fan um, or a Georgia fan. Um, here's what's true about Clemson and Carolina fans. If you're a Clemson fan or if you're a Carolina fan, my first college football game that I ever went to was at williams Rice Stadium. And it was unreal. I'd never experienced anything like that. Thousands of people screaming and cheering, and, and then it's came a long way since I went to my first college football game. I mean, today, the, the fans are in the stands. Now, they're <laughs> going by halftime, but, but they're in the stands, and they play inner Sandman, and if, you're, if you've been to a Carolina football game, there's nothing like being in the stadium when the team runs on the field. I mean, you can watch it on TV, but it's just not the same. Would you agree? Same thing with Death Valley. Same thing if you're a Clemson fan. You, there is something about being in the stadium when the band plays Tiger Rag and they march that little thing and then the, the cannon, go, boom, and then Dabo sprints down the hill and here comes the team. There's something about being at that place that you can't get on TV. Like you can watch it on TV and it's kind of cool, but when you're at the stadium, would you agree it's a little bit different, yes or no? The same thing is true for church. I learned during COVID. Listen, I'm very thankful for our online um, community. I'm very thankful for our online family. We have people right now watching all over the United States, even all over the world, because your, your country or your state is in a lockdown. And I'm super thankful for the people. But I learned during COVID. And I think a lot of you learned during COVID too. That there's something about being in this place, being in the house of God that you can't replace with a screen. I, and I want, this, I want this to be a place where when people leave, they're like, I don't know what happened, but something happened. Now, I get this. We're going to Matthew chapter 17 is where I'm coming from. Matthew, who wrote the book of Matthew, recorded this event, and he said in Matthew chapter 17, verse 1, six days later, six days later, this was six days after Peter had confessed that Jesus is Lord in, at Caesarea Philippi. So six days after that, Jesus took Peter... And the other two brothers, James and John, and led them, led them, led them up a high mountain to be alone. Now, Jesus is standing at the base of this mountain with his apostles, and he tells Peter, James, and John, I want you guys to come with me, and they go climb a mountain. Now, Jesus was taking them to a place called, ultimately, we refer to this place today as the Mount of Transfiguration. He was taking them to an environment where they could see him in a way they had never seen him before. But in order to get there, 
They had to put forth some effort. They had to climb. Some of you are like, oh, this is hiking. This is that's cool. I, I've had people, I had somebody ask me last week, hey, Pastor B, would you like to go hiking sometime? No. <laughs> no, I don't. We like to hike and camp. That's awesome. I don't. I like to drive and stay at resorts. That's what I like to do. And I can because I've got $50 million somewhere I still haven't found yet. But, like, I can do those kind of things. If you're brand new, I don't have $50 million. But, But I, can you imagine Jesus going, hey, Peter, James, and John, let's go. And he's leading them. But they had to put forth the effort to climb. Have you ever noticed that the toughest day to get up is Sunday morning? It takes effort to get here. It's a climb. In fact, there's some Sundays, I'm not going to go, I'm just going to watch it online. Then you don't, and I'll watch it Monday, and you don't. And I'm not blaming you, I understand, I get it. And we come up with excuses, excuses for every phase of our life. This is my favorite one. I mean, a single person. You're single. Single meaning you're not married. You're single. You're single. How many people are single? Raise your hand. Single people. We're trying to help you all out. Look around. Scope them out. There you go. Oh, that one girl. I don't know. Happened to me last time I was here. It was weird. <laughs> single people, let me just tell you something. It's never going to be easier than it is right now to come to church. Ever. Ever. You're single. You got to take care of you. You take care of you, especially if you're a dude. If you're a dude and you come to this church, you you can sleep in your church clothes the night before. (laughs) Get up in the morning, put some toothpaste on your finger, do one of these things right here, and walk right in, and nobody will think anything different. But I've had people tell me, "Oh, I'm single right now. It's hard to get to church. When I get married, it'll get easier." Oh, 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 really, really? Here's what you don't understand, sir. If you're a single dude, I want you to listen to me. I want you to listen really good, okay? Right now, in your bathroom, you have eight items. Eight. Deodorant, maybe a toothbrush that you had in middle school and you still got it till this day. I mean, you got, you got, you got, when she, when she moves in, she's got 842 items. She uses every one of them on Sunday morning. And you, sir, will wait. And you, sir, will love it. It's not going to be easier to get to church once you get married. I've had couples tell me this. Oh, we're, we're just newly married. It'll just, we're just going to wait till we have a baby because it's easier. Oh, really? <laughs> if you don't believe in demon possession, wait till you have a child and try to get them ready for church on Sunday. Their head will turn completely around. And then they'll have a blowout on the way to church. You, you know what that is. You're like, what is, oh, dear God, you turn the car around and go home. All I'm saying is if we're looking for a reason not to come to church, the devil will always provide us with one. I went to that church and somebody looked at me weird. Well, guess what? There's not a church on the planet that you would go to that somebody's not going to give you a dirty look or look at you weird. It's not, I've been hurt by church, Really? I have too, but have, have you ever been to a restaurant and got a bad meal? Did you give up food? <laughs> I ain't eating food no more. I'm just going to die. Like that, that's, that doesn't make sense. I'm just saying, I want this to be a supernatural place. I want this to be a place where we walk in and we know that we're going to experience the presence of God in such a way that we're not going to walk out the same way, I, but it takes effort 
It takes effort. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who makes the effort to get here every single week. I want to say thank you for the, for the effort that people made. I know people drove four and five hours to get here today. Thank you for making the effort. My hope and prayer is that when you walk in to this place, that God does something so supernatural that when you leave, you're like, I don't know what that was, but I got to go back and get some more. I'll show you what it is in just a second, all right? Number two, number two is the supernatural transformation. Now, I was thinking about this the other day, and um, I remember back in 2006. If you're a Clemson fan, you remember 2006 very well. It's the year that we got, see, like I say we, like I've got anything to do with Clemson. It's the, it's the year we recruited C.J. Spiller. Y'all remember him? He's pretty good. <laughs> I challenged him to a race one time, and he said no. Because he didn't want to embarrass me. Like, I would have ran, and he would have ran circles around me while I was running. But I remember the first time I met him, it was before he started playing football. First time I ever met him. He was 5'11", 185 pounds. He, I'm, I'm not, he looked like a child. And I heard, C.J. Spiller, C.J. Spiller, C.J. Spiller. And he walked in the room, and they were like, this is C.J. Spiller. And I was like, he going to get hurt. Literally, I, at the time I was 250. My right thigh weighed 185 pounds. I'm like, this guy is going to get hit by a linebacker and literally explode. I was like, oh, like I saw him and I did not have a lot of hope for his career, his life. But then I saw his first game, his freshman year. And I saw him not, not dressed like normal, but he was wearing a helmet and shoulder pads and the orange jersey. And I saw him on the field, and it was completely different. But I saw him in normal street clothes, and it was like, <laughs> I don't know. I saw him in his football uniform, and he was a different person. There was a, it, the way I viewed him changed. And I was thinking about that in regards to the supernatural transformation because my hope and prayer for us is that in this place, the way we see Jesus will change. I, I'm always praying that God will change us. But one of the biggest changes can happen is when you and I start to see Jesus as he really is. Not just small glimpses, but see him in a way we've never seen him before. That, let me tell you why that's important. Peter, James, and John, up until this point in Matthew, has seen Jesus do some cool stuff. They saw him walk on water. That's cool. They saw him feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. They'd seen him heal the blind. They saw him raise the dead. They had seen some cool stuff, but they had never seen. Like, they're walking up the mountain, and to be honest, they're probably like a lot of us on the way to church. Why are we going to walk up this mountain? I don't know. Why, why we? I don't know. Is Thomas and the rest of the guys get to hang out down there. We got to walk up this stupid mountain. Why? He said, "Yes, Lord, we're coming. We love you." Yeah, we okay. We get up there and they get to the top of the mountain, and then this happens. Watch this. It's a transformation. As the men watched, Jesus's appearance was transformed, so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared. Okay, this is supernatural because Moses and Elijah had been dead for a while. 
So when dead people start showing up and they're not zombies, they're like legit, like there, and began talking with Jesus. Pause. They saw Jesus in a way they had never seen him before. And when we start seeing Jesus as who he is and not merely who we want him to be, we can be transformed. I grew up, I'll be honest with you, I grew up not knowing if I could worship Jesus. If, you, if you're a church person, if, you're a church, if you grew up in church, your view of Jesus was not, he's awesome. Your vision of Jesus is, I could beat him up. I'm not being sacrilegious. You grew up, like how many of you had, grew up with a church and you had a picture of Jesus and he had feathered hair, some product like in there, had on a white robe that was pure white, even though it was the Middle East and it's dusty, purple sash, holding a lamb, looked like he was crying all the time. I can't worship him. I can't worship that. But then you read in Revelation 19, now that's Jesus. He, when he comes back, he's going to have a sword coming out of his mouth. He's going to be wearing a robe dipped in blood. If I meet a man with a robe dipped in blood, he has my respect, all right? I, I'm, but, but the way we see Jesus needs to be transformed. Because see, when we see Jesus as strong, then we will know that that strength is available to us when we're going through a storm. When we see Jesus as present, we will understand that we're never alone even when we feel alone. When we see Jesus as able, then we know that with his strength in us, we are able to conquer anything that this world throws our way. When we begin to see Jesus accurately, we can follow him more closely. And when we follow him more closely, we discover who he is. And as we discover who he is, he empowers us more and more and more to become who he's called us to be. I want this place to be a place when we show up and walk out those doors, we know that we've seen Jesus in a way that we've never seen him before. And that, my friends, will absolutely change our lives. A, a, a supernatural transformation. The first it is a supernatural revelation. A supernatural revelation. It rhymes with transformation. That's why I put it in there. But, but now... If you know anything about the Bible, you'll get this right. There's three apostles there, Peter, James, and John. They're all freaked out because they've never seen anything like this happen. Who's the first apostle that's going to speak up? Peter, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he always, he always like is doing something. So he speaks up. Peter exclaimed. That means he yelled. Notice the exclamation point. Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, don't miss this. Peter started speaking insider language. Lord, it's good for us to be here. Hey, Pete, what about? disciples that are done. Oh, forget them. It's good for us to be here having this experience. We're so close. We know each other. I started thinking, man, that's, that's a dangerous place to be. Do you know churches get to this place? Let's not grow anymore. Let's not reach anymore. It's good for us to be here. What about the rest of the world? Oh, they can go to hell. 
Literally, they can go to hell. Because if they come in here, they're going to get my seat. It's good for us to be here. And y'all, I can't, I can't operate like that. Because this world that we're living in has gone crazy. I did something this week I hadn't done in a long time. I'm going to confess to y'all. I, did some, I, I told y'all I hadn't been doing it, and I did it's No, I, I, I'm sober, okay? Nothing like that. Just I had to address it because somebody was like, oh, my God, put your, put your phone up. I'm not, it's not that kind of confession. <laughs> but I did do something this week I hadn't done in a long time. I'm not making this up. I, I watched the news. It, yeah, why exactly? I don't know. It, it made me want to drink. But, but I didn't. But I watched the news. And, and uh, it, it sucks you in. Our world has gone freaking crazy. Dude, people are fist fighting. Fist fighting. There are very few things on the planet I would fist fight somebody over. Very few things. Very few. But people are fist fighting over masks. Is that really Something that we want to shed blood for? People are giving, and, and Pastor P, how do you feel about masks? I think they're good for people that want them. I think, they're, I think if you don't want to wear one, don't wear one. I, listen, there's some people, you need a mask and it has nothing to do with COVID, all right? You just need a mask. I mean, you know those people, right? God, hey, wear a mask. Why are you, COVID, nah, you just need a mask. I said it because y'all were thinking it. But I'm like, if we've got a world where people are fighting over, my, my God, the, the world has never needed Jesus as much as the world needs Jesus right now. And we can't, we can't turn our backs on the people that Jesus is opening his arms to. You know who Jesus loves? Republicans, <laughs> Democrats, Libertarians, loves them all, loves them all. So Peter's like, man, we need to, we just need to stay right here and keep this because this is awesome. And then God speaks up because what Peter said is stupid. <laughs> but even as he spoke, this is the revelation a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. In other words, Peter, you... this is the revelation. This is the revelation that somebody, somebody here needs to get today. This is what you need to understand about you how God feels about you. You, sir, you, ma'am, are his dearly loved child. You know, do you know how many people don't feel loved by God? And you know why you don't feel loved by God? Because you know everything you did last week. This summer, this year, and it's, it's hard to feel loved when you know how messed up you are. Am I right? But let me ask you a question. He said, this is my dearly loved son, my dearly loved child, some translations say. 
If you've ever had a child, moms, dads, like you, you had a child, what did that child do to deserve your love? Nothing. In fact, the first two to three years of their life, they invested everything they had trying to get you to not love them. <laughs> Am I correct? They didn't give you a reason to love. They never told you, Mom. They never said, thank you, Mother, for getting up in the middle of the night to change my diaper. I was uncomfortable. I let out a little yelp. You immediately came. You are a wonderful mother. No, no. If you're anything like me, you would change the diaper, and as soon as you got the diaper changed, they would pee on you again, right? Your kid threw up on you. Your kid used the bathroom on you. Your kid screamed at you, and you love that child. They gave you no reason to love them. Now, if we can do that for our kids, how much more so can a perfect heavenly father love us even when we don't deserve it? We've never deserved it. And God, and somebody needs to hear that today. The person that relapsed this week. You need to hear God loves you. The person that wrestled with anxiety this week and you thought it was over. You need to understand that God loves you. The person that got abandoned this week, you need to understand that God loves you. The couple that can't conceive right now, you need to understand you're not forgotten. You are loved. You are cherished. You are valued. You are his dearly loved child. And let me say this because it causes controversy every, every time I say it. So I want to say it so many times. I want to say it so much that eventually some people are in this room. I've had people literally ask me, Pastor P, I have so disappointed God. No, you, you're not that powerful. He knew everything about you before he made you. It's not possible to disappoint a sovereign, all-knowing God. He knew what you were going to do before he created you, and he created you anyway and went ahead and arranged for the payment for that mistake to be made through his son, Jesus. The revelation today is no matter who you are or what you've done, you're his dearly loved child. Now, the disciples freaked out. I mean, the disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground, which... Is what I would have done because I, I freak out. And then that leads to a supernatural presence. I want there to be a supernatural presence in this room. And th- I, I, learned, I learned something about this. You know what's funny? And sometimes I'm working through a message and I'll get to a point and I'm like, I don't really know what kind of story or what I'm going to use to set that up. And all week long, I, was, I, I got stuck at this part. Like, what am I going to use to set this up? And Thursday, God gave me what to use. Now, I wish... It would have been a story on the internet or something like that, but that's not how he chose to work. I went for a run Thursday morning. I run on my treadmill in my garage. I open up my garage door so I can experience like the outdoor elements, but I don't like to run on the road. Why don't you like to run on the road? Because this is Anderson, South Carolina. <laughs> Somebody be driving down the road going, hey, is that Pastor P? <laughs> and then like that's, <laughs> y'all think I'm kidding. I, I think through this stuff, all right? So, so I run 
kind of outside because I got the, and I got a little fan run on me, and, it, and it's great. I love running in my garage. It's it's my it's my study time. It's where I get I get a lot of work done when I'm running. I mean, like sermon prep ideas. I've got voice notes and stuff. So anyway, I'm running my garage on Thursday, and everything's great. And then I look to my left, and there's a snake. <laughs> Some of y'all saw this on social. So there's a snake in my garage. Now, this is my philosophy. You might not agree. That's fine. The only good snake a is a dead snake. Yes. Somebody said, well, well they eat rats. I don't have a rat problem. So this snake, I, at first, I caught it out of the corner of my eye. And have you ever seen something and thought, if I say it's not there, it's not there? It's not there, it's not there, it's not there. And I looked, and I was like, oh, my God, there's a snake up in here. Now, I know there's some reptile lovers, and, and you love reptiles, and I've had. But listen, Satan took the form of a snake in Genesis 3. So Satan was in my garage. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all, there's not many things on this planet that I'm scared of. In fact, I'm not even scared of spiders anymore. I used to be petrified, but the other day I was doing some bench press with some dumbbells, and a spider was on the dumbbell, and it lowered itself onto my chest. And I was like, you know what? This, okay, I'm good. I, I don't know. I, I, I was fine. But the snake, so I was like, well, I, I don't know what to do. And I kind of paused the treadmill for a second. I'm sitting there looking at the snake, and I was like, well, man, I'm just going to get off the treadmill. And as soon as I got off the treadmill, his head popped up. I was like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> Rolling up in my garage. Now, here's the deal. I didn't have any guns with me. And, and for those of you that know me, I am a Second Amendment person. I love the Second Amendment. I am a, I, I've got guns. <laughs> I didn't expect that to get applause. But, but I'm not going to shoot the snake in my garage because then i got ricochets everywhere. And it's just, so I'm like, I'm, and I'm trapped because I can't move because his head's like this. And everywhere I went, he followed me. And then I remembered, in my garage, I also have dumbbells. Starting at five pounds and five-pound increments all the way up to 100 pounds. And I was like, you know what? I'm not powerful enough to get you, but I got some resources. <laughs> so I turned around and found the 50-pound dumbbell. I thought about starting a CrossFit workout called Kill the Snake because that's why CrossFit, they just make stuff up. I picked up that 50-pound dumbbell. And I looked at him. He looked at me, and I said, I'm about to cancel your, yourself. I said, you, I said something else, all right? But I took the 50-pound, and I threw it on the snake. Bam! First try. Some of you are like, oh, it's a snake! I was thinking about it later that afternoon. I thought, you know, there's something, something in my garage that I'm scared of that, that came against me, and I was scared, but, but I had, all these, I had a, all these resources. I had resources on resources on resources. I would have never ran out of resources trying to get rid of the thing that I thought was going to cause me harm. And I thought, oh, my God, how much more so is that in the church? Because we walked in here with problems, and we walked in here with some issues, but we've got resources in this place in the form of the Holy Spirit of God who is stronger, who is better, who is able to overcome anything that's coming against us. It's the presence. Watch this. Watch this. This is crazy because they're all freaked out 
on their face. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Aren't you so thankful? Because Jesus could have came over and said, you're acting like a bunch of idiots. Get up. But he didn't yell at them. He touched them. Have you ever been in a situation, and I know you have, where you're so worked up or you're so emotional or you're so angry or you're so upset and somebody just came up to you and they put their hand on your shoulders or they gave you a hug and it just calmed you down? That's what's happening right here. Jesus, before he spoke to them, Jesus, and that's what I'm praying happens in this place, that we at some point during the worship, during the message, know that we've came into the presence of Jesus. And even though all hell is breaking loose, we just get this feeling everything's going to be all right. He touched them. Get up, he said. In other words, you, you, like, guys, you can't. I, you can't stay, Peter, your face is in the dirt. Get your face out of the dirt. James, John, get up, get up, get up, get up. In other words, he tells them to take a step. And everybody here, everybody here has a next step in your relationship with God. It's either to accept Christ or take your next step, whether that's confess a sin, start to serve, start to give, whatever it is, everybody here has a next step. And then he tells them, don't be afraid. Because don't, don't, don't miss this. If we're not willing to step into the uncomfortable, we will never experience the supernatural. If we're not willing to step into the uncomfortable, we will never experience the supernatural. So that's why he tells them, don't be afraid. And, and, and when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone. Now, I forgot to do this in the first service. So y'all, if y'all know somebody that went to the first service, tell them to watch this part of the second service because it's really important. I can't believe I just had a brain fart and I completely forgot this. When they looked up, Moses and Elijah were, what's this word on three? One, two, three? Gone. Huh. What's the symbolism behind that? Moses represented the law. Elijah represented the prophets. The Old Testament represented, there, there's, there's all these rules and regulations set forth by the laws of the prophets, and this is what you can't do, 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 and this is what you can't do. And so you could almost read this as when they looked up, the rules were gone, and they saw only Jesus. They went from rules to a relationship. The reason some people never connect with Jesus is because you can't follow all the rules. Nobody ever has been able to. But when we move from rules to relationship, there's so much freedom and we can really experience the supernatural presence in our lives. The reason so many people feel like failures is because you've had so many Christians tell you that you're a failure. Which leads to the last part, and the last part, and this is, this is the part I love. It's, it's supernatural, supernatural grace. Supernatural grace. Amazing grace. It's one of my favorite hymns, and it gets me every time. Every time we sing it, every time I hear it, it just gets me. And everybody in this room can remember a time where somebody showed you grace and you didn't deserve it. Right? The cop pulled you over and didn't give you a ticket. You remember that. 
You remember that. My, I remember when I was 14, um, my dad wanted me to back his truck up. And he, he just got a brand new pickup truck about a month before, and he was 14. You remember when we were 14, you couldn't drive, and so when you got to drive, it was so cool. My dad was like, back the truck up, boy. And I was like, yes, sir. I didn't tell him, technically, I'm not 15 years old. I, I was just, I embraced it. I got in the truck, and, and I just put it in reverse because it's like the thing on the column. So I put it in reverse, and I didn't hit the gas. I just kind of let it drift back. And dad was like, just come on. Just, boy, just come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then he said, whoa. I thought he said go. <laughs> so I kind of punched the gas a little bit. Well, right behind the truck, inconveniently located, was a concrete wall. Yeah. And so I, that was my first wreck. I felt the jar. And my dad started saying words that are not in the Bible. And... Uh, <laughs> I got out of the truck, and my dad and my two uncles were standing there looking at it, and they're shaking their head. And you always got one uncle. If you're in the South, you always got one uncle that goes, I think I can fix that. So, and he <laughs> probably can. And I knew that my life was over. I was going to go find a shovel and just dig my grave. And my dad looked at me and said, huh, that'll happen. Thousands of dollars worth of damage. Just That'll happen. Grace in the moment. Now, this is where people go, Perry, don't talk about grace like that. Because if you tell people they're covered by the grace of God, they'll run out of this building and they'll just do a bunch of sin. And at the end of their sin, they'll go, I'm covered by grace. Then you don't understand grace. That's not what grace, grace, grace changes us when we see it. For example, Shannon, my wife and I, we've been married for three months as of yesterday. And uh, you might find this hard to believe. You might. She's not in this service. Um, uh, she was in the last service. But I, told, I said this in the last service, too. Um, I might go into a little bit more detail in this service. But anyway, because she's not here. Shh, don't tell her. Um, in three months, in three months of marriage, people are like, oh, has it just been great? Yeah. Have you argued? Oh, yeah. It, couples that say, I've never argued, either A, you're liar, liars, B, you're high, um, or, or, or C, you need to spend some more time together. Because when one selfish person gets with another selfish person, you're going you're to argue. And you might find this hard to believe, but I, 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 on the rare occasion, can say something to somebody else that is insensitive and hurtful. It just happens everywhere. I know you're shocked. It's, I mean, I know my halo is, is so evident this morning. Um, and so recently we got into a discussion. And um, I just, guys, have you ever just been getting your butt beat in an argument? Like, like you're, you're just wrong. And I realized I was wrong. Like I was, I was so wrong, but I didn't want to admit I was wrong. So I quickly shifted the subject and said something very hurtful towards her. And, and then immediately, immediately, well, okay, not immediately, maybe like 10 seconds later, 10 seconds later, I was like, oh, I am so sorry. And she looked at me and she smiled. She's got the best heart in the world. She looked at me and she smiled. She said, that's okay, baby, I love you. Now, let me tell you what didn't happen. I didn't say, oh, my gosh, you just forgave me. 
let me stand and say some more hurtful, insensitive, stupid things to you. No, because of her response to me, it made me more aware of the things that I was saying and doing around her. That's what the grace of God does. When we realize that we don't get what we deserve, it doesn't make us run out and do whatever we want. It makes us more open to doing whatever he wants. That's what supernatural grace does in our lives. Because these men, Peter, James, and John, haven't... I mean, I used to think, man, Jesus, if I could just spend 10 seconds in your presence, I would be changed forever. I might be affected, but I don't know that I would be changed. Now, I know that shocks some of you, but let's just look at the history of the people that spent time in the presence of Jesus. Who? Just a real quick review. There were three apostles on the mountain with Jesus in this story. What were their names? Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. If anybody in the story of the Gospels needed grace, it was these three guys. Because Matthew tells us as they went back down the mountain, because you, you can't stay on the mountain, you gotta, you gotta walk back down to the valley, Jesus commanded them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Now, just a real quick question. Did they actually believe in that moment that Jesus was literally going to rise from the dead? Yes or no? No. So, so even though they had seen Jesus in a way they had never seen him before, did they doubt him? Yes or no? Yeah. So you can. So maybe you 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 can be a Christian and still have doubts. If the apostles had doubts, my God, we're going to wrestle with doubt. Doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It means you're a human. Um. Peter, James, and John. Jesus said, don't tell anybody about this until I'm, I've been raised from the dead. And they looked at each other like, what's he talking about? And then when Jesus got arrested, did Peter, James, and John stand with him? No. Peter denied he knew Christ. John watched the entire thing happen and never spoke up one single time. According to all biblical evidence, James actually ran from the scene and it took a few days to find him. Like they, they doubted God, they doubted Jesus, they abandoned Jesus, yet he still used Peter and James and John to change the world. Why? Because they were good? No, because he is good. And his amazing grace changed their life. His amazing grace has changed my life. There are people in this room, his amazing grace has changed your life. It is changing your life. He will continue to change our lives, not because we're good, but because he's good. So Jesus, I just want to thank you right now for your amazing grace that, that saved a wretch like me. God, I want to thank you for every single person in this room. God, maybe they walked in today struggling with where they are in life, knowing we're not where we need to be in our walk with you. I pray over these next few moments that we would just be reminded that you are a God full 
grace and mercy, not just for other people, but for us. May we take this reminder to heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Jesus, we thank you so much for your amazing grace. God, I thank you so much that your amazing grace is in this place and available for all of us that would just say, here I am, Lord. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now, maybe you just need to make where you're standing your personal altar and say, Jesus, thank you for your amazing grace on my life. Thank you for giving me the strength. Thank you for filling me with hope. Thank you for filling me with peace. Thank you for filling me with, with joy. Thank you for your amazing grace. Maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never received God's amazing grace. And you know you need to ask Jesus in your life today. If that's you right where you stand, and whether you're in the room or whether you're online, I want you to pray this prayer in your heart with me. Just pray this prayer in your heart and say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross, rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus... I receive you into my life. Take over, Jesus. Take control. In Jesus' name I pray. With a head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just prayed that prayer and you just asked Christ into your life, would you do me a favor and hold up your hand, just shoot it up in the air real quick and raise it. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else, just hold up in the air because I want to pray for you. We want to pray for you and celebrate you as a church. Father, I want to thank you for every hand that is raised in the room and every hand that is raised online. God, that you literally changed their life today. You brought them from death to life. The old has become new. And Father, I pray that they would never forget this day as the day they surrendered their lives to you and you made them brand new. Father, I want to pray for every single person in this room today that this would be a supernatural place for us where we experience supernatural presence. We experience a supernatural transformation. Jesus, that you do something so significant in our lives that it makes a difference on Monday through Saturday. Father, I thank you that you're always with us. I thank you that you've never left us. I thank you that you've never turned your back on us. You've never abandoned us. You are our peace. You are our hope. You are our joy. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for all that you've done, and we thank you for the all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody that agreed said, Amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Me too. Pick up your shirt. We'll see some first-timers back here for lunch. And everybody else, have a great week. God bless.